Well, good morning, everyone. I trust everybody's doing wonderful on this rainy October 31st. It's hard to believe November is tomorrow. And if I asked Joe, he could tell me exactly how many days until Christmas. He does the countdown starting July 25th. Oh, I'm still experiencing technical issues here, but it's more fit issues. Maybe if I didn't have such a big head. All right. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Wonderful. Okay. Well, it is wonderful to be here this morning and to be able to share with you a couple of things that um, I do humbly. Uh, we're supposed to have titles for our messages, so the title for this one is A Vision from the In-Between Towards Setting Our Roots Deeply, and that's the sub. And basically, this message is rooted in, I'll, I'll use the term of vision that I received from the Holy Spirit, to the best of my knowledge, I believe it was from the Spirit, and I did share this with others, and uh, there was a resonance that there was something to it. It was on August the 24th of this year, and so um, I'm going to begin there and then use the, what I feel is a prophetic vision to unpack a couple of things that act as a framework for where we're going and the things that Joe has been talking about, about strengthening and lengthening. So I'm going to take it from there. But anyway, while I was uh, in the between stage of sleep and awake on that morning, and how many of you ever been in that place where you're kind of like, you're not quite awake, you're not quite asleep, you know, it was, uh, it was on that occasion that I saw two words pop into my mind's eye, and, and immediately it got my attention, even in that semi-awake state, and the two words were power outage. And then I felt immediately um, this question, and I feel that the Holy Spirit actually was asking me this question, where is my power in the church? I was like, oh, okay. Um, and still in this in-between stage, I then saw a picture of a beachfront, and the beachfront was a very beautiful tropical beach, loads of people on the beach, and they were playing in the sand, and all of a sudden, there was a massive drawback of the beach water, the beachfront, and the water just kind of left the, this pristine beach scene, became this scene where the water was taken away, and the seafloor was exposed. And so once the seafloor was exposed, uh, immediately people began to ran, the people on the beach began to ran into the <clears throat> um, exposed mud area of the beach, seeing things as they've never seen before, because when the beach water's gone, it looks different, right? So people were going in there, and so with great interest. And then the scene shifted, and this is all happening, like, in a few seconds, like this is going on in my mind. I saw this huge tsunami wave come, and so this wave pounded the beach, and immediately... Um, destroyed the coastline, everything in its path, and everybody who was um, intrigued by this exposed beach floor was swept out to sea. 
And so <laughs> there's more. It doesn't just end there, so thankfully. So then I was awake. I woke up and I thought, wow, like, like I didn't have bad pizza the night before. I, I started to think about this, and I, I got into my chair, and when I, when I started to write these things down, I felt like God was showing me that we're currently in the church in a drawback wave period, so that even now we're still in this period where this beachfront water has been pulled back and that we're in a sense of an in-between time. This in-between time where it seems almost like a static period. And the fact that, you know, we don't have a sense of the power of God. We've talked about that in the past few months. We've had, um, we've had pictures given on Sunday mornings and at various other times of God wanting to reestablish his power and to outfit us for preparation for receiving more power and so on. But this sense that there is this power coming, but it's not yet. It's, we're in the in-between. And the fact is, is that I don't want to dwell on the reasons for this in-between time, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was emphasizing the drawback is it's not so much that we should be enamored with what's been exposed, but actually knowing that we're in the in-between time, we should seek high ground. That we should seek high ground and drill ourselves deeply rooted in God. That we should use this in-between time to drill ourselves deeply in Him. And because there was a wave of power about to hit, and when the wave of power hits, we want to be in a place to be able to receive it and not be overwhelmed by it. In addition, and this is the bit unnerving part of this, this, this vision, I'll call it, I, and again, I use the term, you know, with respect and humbly, I felt that the natural as well will speak of the invisible. So not only will there be a huge wave of God's power to come, but naturally speaking, so in the physical, in the world, that there's this impending sense that when God's power comes in its wave, it will be accompanied by a concurrent manifestation of disruption in the world. And so that not only will we know that God's power is here, it'll be felt by everybody in one way or another, but we'll also experience in the world a disruption. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm not talking about this necessarily at all. I'm, I'm speaking of this thing that is going to be a disruptive force in the world that is going to get everybody's attention. And I, I, I say these things at great risk because, you know, those of us, you know, there's always somebody who's going to like run away with this and say, oh, well, you know, this means this and this. I'm not, my emphasis this morning is not so much on that. My emphasis this morning is to speak into this idea of drilling our roots deeply into Jesus and to kind of flesh out and frame up the things that Joe has been talking about, about the strengthening particularly which is going to be the jump-off point for where we're going over these next number of months. And so we want to focus on that. And that idea of drilling ourselves deeply into Jesus is something which church theologians and historians and leaders call spiritual formation, being formed into the image of Christ. How do we take steps in order to do that? 
And so I want to set up this framework for what we're doing over these next number of months. And so as Joe indicated a few weeks ago, we have a problem. We have some problems. One of them, you know, we don't have to look too far to understand that, you know, part of the problem that we have in our world, and this is just one of the problems, and I think we all can say, you know what, this problem, which I'm going to illustrate, affects us, and that's this problem of digital distraction. And, you know, I'm not going to pick on that too much this morning, but I want to highlight just a couple of things that we, we know we have problems in our culture when we say, and we know this, that the average adult, and this is statistically um, proven, the average adult watches TVs or videos online about five to six hours a day. That's five to six hours a day, cumulatively. The average millennial, and I don't want to pick on millennials, we pick on you all the time, but I'll also say even those who are of my generation, the baby boomer generation, and it extends down to iGen or the Gen Z generation. Um, we spend a lot of time online, uh, up to four hours on our phones at least every day. This is, this is the average. And that adds up, if you think about it, if you do the math, that adds up to about a decade of your life. If you carry that, those numbers out over the course of your life, if nothing else changes, that's, that's like a decade of your life doing whatever online, watching whatever. So George Barna, it's, a, it's an organization, actually Christian-based organization who do surveys on these kinds of things all the time, found that people spend almost 2,800 hours a year consuming digital content. So 2,800 hours. You know, and I get all, you know, like when I, when I read these statistics, oh, well, that's, that's them. And then I'm like, oh, no. That includes me as well, right? So it's real easy for me to point to others, but I'm also included in those statistics. And so we spend almost 2,800 hours a year consuming that content. And this is the Barna Institute says that in canvassing church people, people who identify as Christians, out of that 2,800 hours, only 153 of that hours are Christ-based content. So think about that. So 2,800, and I, I'm, I, I'm not a mathematician, but if you put 153 over 2,800, that's a small fraction of our time that we're spending, you know, on Christ-based stuff. And so the rest of it is just a, a mixture and a hodgepodge of YouTube, Instagram, Netflix, Apple TV, and other stuff, right? I mean, that's just the way it is, and, and we don't have to look too far, and we know that that is the truth. And so we want to talk about what is exactly, what is spiritual formation? And so spiritual formation is a neutral term. It's not something that is either good or bad, it just is. So spiritual formation is something that happens to us, whether we're a believer in Jesus or not. But this morning, we want to talk specifically, and we're going to get there more specifically later on, we want to talk about um, what spiritual formation in the Christian view is, and Christian spiritual formation, what we're talking about, what we want to drill down deeply with, is the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus, for the glory of God and for the sake of others, 
The focus of this formation is the Holy Spirit who guides the ongoing journey towards union with God. Now, that's, that's a really great descriptor of Christian spiritual formation. It's not mine. It comes from Robert Mulholland, who wrote a book called Invitation to a Journey. Highly, highly recommend it. So he basically is talking about the process of finding ourselves deeply rooted in Jesus, that process that we do and happens to us for the sake of others. So ultimately, there's a lengthening aspect to this. We're not going to actually go there too much this morning. I want to talk about the strengthening bit. Dallas Willard says that spiritual formation is, in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus, a.k.a. becoming like him, as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. And so Jesus said, you know, I was like, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He wants us to walk with him in the easy yoke of what it means to be with him. Not that life will be easy, but his yoke is easy, and he changes the way that we um, are able to view life because of that. So I want to talk about two models of spiritual formation. So are you with me? Spiritual formation. There are two models, whether you realize it or not. Remember I said that spiritual formation is neutral. It's what happens to all of us, whether we believe in Jesus or not, spiritual formation happens. And so to begin with, we as humans are all being formed, all of us. We're all being shaped every second, every minute, every day. The question is, what is it that is shaping us? And what are we being formed or shaped into? We're all being discipled by something or someone, right? We're all becoming someone intentionally or unintentionally. So we're either doing it with purpose or we're either becoming something or someone unintentionally or without purpose. Conscious or subconscious, deliberate or haphazardly, we're all in the process of becoming a person. The question isn't, are you becoming somebody, but who are you becoming? So who are you becoming in the process of formation? You're being formed into something. Who is it? So the first model of spiritual formation I want to talk about this morning is that of unintentional spiritual formation. So this is spiritual formation that happens to everyone. There are no exceptions to this. So whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, we're being spiritually formed. If you are not a believer in Jesus, you are being spiritually formed largely unintentionally. It's happening to you, whether you believe it or not, or whether you know it or not, it's happening. There's formation taking place. You're becoming someone. So when you get up, all you have to do to make that happen is get up in the morning. Go to work, go to school. You go through your week with no intention or thought uh, towards your life. Uh, And then it could be said that we're being shaped in our lives without intention. So that's most of the world. Most of the world just gets up in the morning and they go about their life, right? Now, my experience pastorally is that, unfortunately, many believers in Jesus also are practicing unintentional spiritual formation. They do certain things in Christ, 
but they don't have, as it were, a game plan or a process identified. So there's aspects of unintentional spiritual formation, and should these apply, then all we have to do is acknowledge them because there is good news, right? So first, in unintentional spiritual formation, there are three things I want to talk about with respect to formation. The first one has to do with the stories that we believe. We're being formed by the stories that we hear. We're being formed by the things that we hear that help us try to make sense of the world. We have a narrative that is happening all around us, and we're trying to understand it, and somehow we have to find our place in it. And so there are stories that are created all over the place. In fact, the human story is actually built right into you. Like, you are built in your DNA for story. We're part of the story. And we listen to all the messages that come uh, all around us, stories the way we sort out our place in the world in which we live. So if you think about it, in the pandemic, at no other time is it more apparent that we're trying to find a story to believe. I mean, unfortunately, if you take a, a look at the past couple of years, there are a lot of stories, aren't there? There's a lot of stories we're choosing to believe or not to believe. There's stories on the left. There's stories on the right. There are stories in the middle. And sometimes we think we're following or listening to stories that are over here when actually they might be even be over here. We don't know. There's loads of stories that are being told to us all the time. We're consuming, because of our digital life, largely, and because of the interactions we have, but largely because of everything that we're hearing all around us, we are somehow swept up into a story. And if we don't know Jesus, we really don't know where the story is taking place. We really don't know where it's being rooted in our life, and we don't know where the end is. We just don't know. And so we bound through life. Secondly, the second aspect of unintentional spiritual formation has to do with the habits of our life. We have habits that we are practicing whether we realize them or not. The power of habit. We do things on a regular basis. The things that we do in our life on a regular basis, whether those things we intend to do them or not, they become the habits of our life. You tracking with me on that? Like, you don't have to identify, I, like, today I'm going to be doing this. I know people that have habitual li- like life patterns, and they don't even really realize or see that they're habits. They don't see that they're processes that they have established in their life. So the things we do do something to us. And so the habits we form in our life, they actually do something to us. Our habits shape our lives and our longings. They shape the core of who we are. The Bible calls that our heart. So those things that we just go about doing, we get up in the morning and we, start, we form habits, they do something to you. They do something to me. Thirdly, our relationships. There it is, our relationships. So we have relationships that contribute to our formation. We become and tend to be like the people we hang out with. In fact, not knowing Jesus, we tend to gravitate to being with people who are like us, who will affirm us, who will tell us everything is okay because 
Basically, they're mirrors of who we are. We're looking to be affirmed in our lifestyles. You don't have to look too far to know that that's true. So we hang out with people that act like us, believe like us, vote like us, and that can be a good thing, and it also can be a not-so-good thing. It can be a bad thing. And I see examples of it all the time in my experiences with people who don't know Jesus. I see it all the time. All of this happens in the culture. All of this happens within the culture. And the culture, if you don't realize it, is influenced by a spirit. The Bible calls it in Ephesians chapter 2, the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age, all of these things, our narratives or stories that we choose to believe, or at least we live, our life habits, our relationships, all of those things are couched within the culture, what the Bible calls the spirit of the age. And so there is a spirit in the culture that permeates everything, all of these things, all of these three things. And so these thoughts, ideas, and values influence us. And morally, it can put us to sleep. We can be lulled to sleep, gradually causing us to accept the society's values. It's like the frog. You put the frog in the, in the cold water, and without realizing it, as the temperature gets higher and higher, the frog doesn't know to move. And before you know it, the frog is what? The frog is toast because the frog stays in the boiling water. We've heard that analogy many times, but that has to, that speaks to the effect of the culture on us. Now, you know what, folks? The bottom line is, too, is that we as Christians sometimes get lulled to sleep by the culture stories. And so we have to be careful. But as non-believers, people who don't know Jesus, this is life. This is it. So what things, what things in our cultural, um, in our cultural view of life, what things can we identify as being part of the spirit of the age? I mean, it's very difficult if you have an unintentional spiritual formed life to be able to ID those things. And of course, all these things don't just happen in a vacuum. They happen over time. They happen over time, over the course of your life, right? And so, through our experiences, good, bad, or otherwise, the way you were raised, or maybe the way you weren't raised, you may have had a very solid, stable home life. You may not have. You may have been the victim of abuse. You may have experienced terrible things growing up. You may have experienced earthquake moments in your life where I never intended for my life to turn out this way. You may have been involved in things as a young person or as an adult. So I don't know how I messed up here. Those things have a huge impact on us. Those things over time can really, really damage us. And of course, those experiences that we live, those things that, that we find our, our, ourselves walking through, they're the basics of our unintentionally spiritually formed life. It's kind of like unintentional spiritual formation is like intending to, I'm going to bake something. I really don't know what I'm going to bake. I don't have a recipe. I don't know the ingredients. I don't even really understand the dynamics of heat and how putting something in the oven is going to do it, but I'm going to throw a bunch of things together 
And at least I know enough to put it in the oven and turn the, the oven on. I don't know what temperature. Something's going to come out of that oven, but I don't know what it's going to be. That's kind of like what unintentional spiritual formation is akin to. We don't know what it's producing. So that's unintentional spiritual formation. And if there is a caution for us as believers, it's to understand we don't want to be living unintentionally. We don't want to be living without a sense of direction and process and purpose. And so where it fits, we wear it, and then we find that there is good news. And the good news is, is that we have intentional spiritual formation that is given to us by God himself through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. He gives us the ability to intentionally design to have God design us so that we are spiritually formed in the image of Jesus. So here's where, uh, with direction and purpose, we follow him with intentionality. We become his disciples following him. It's actually counterformation to everything on the other side. So for everything on the left that you see in that diagram, for everything on the left, there's a counter to it in spiritual formation. See, and again, I'm going to, on the left side of the fence, those who don't believe in Jesus know Jesus. That's life. Again, there are elements of that ha that have invaded the church, and we have become practitioners of some aspects of unintentional formation. I, I know people who have, quote, given their lives to Jesus, but they don't really know what it means to follow Jesus or to be a disciple of Jesus spiritual formation that's intentional will combat that and cure that. And so this is where we're going over these next number of months. So instead of choosing different stories or narrative, we counter that with specific teaching. And so it's not just a hodgepodge of stories that come at us from the culture. We are part of a story, the story from Genesis to Revelation, the story of Scripture. We're part of that, and through intentional teaching, we're able to, we're able to uh, understand the purposes of God for us. Now, that would include Sunday mornings like this. That would include things that we are reading. Like, I always, like in my interactions with friends, I always am looking to be challenged, like, have you read this book? I need to be hearing people recommend to me good books to read that are going to be challenging me in my growth in Jesus. And likewise, I always try to recommend things to others. Like there's an interaction there. So it's about Sunday mornings, but it's much more than that. It's about the things that we are choosing to consume. So if we're going to combat digital distraction, which I don't know about you, but I battle, then we have to battle it and combat and replace it with something better. And so we replace that with intentionality in the things that we are reading, the things that we're choosing to listen to, the things that we're choosing to talk about with, our, with, our, with the people that we hang out with, those specific teaching points are things that are going to mold us and shape us with intentionality. So I have a reading list. I have a list of books right now, and, and I'm not saying this, like, I, I wish I had more time, but I've got four books on the go right now. Now, it always has not been that way. I've always been a reader, but 
I, I have four books on the go right now, and when I'm tempted to sit and just death scroll on my phone or just kind of blow through YouTube videos, when I'm tempted to do that, because folks, that happens, it's my decision to power that down, go sit in my chair and, and read. And so it's my decision to do that. So that's part of intentional, being intentional with teaching. So it's reading, it's listening. I mean, if you don't have resources, we can point you to some resources, but we need to be intentional with respect to the stories that we're putting in our life. And so the teaching aspect of story is hugely important. Counter to habits that just kind of grow without intention, we have practices that have been handed down to us over the centuries in the church. Practices that will discipline us. We don't like the word discipline, do we? Is, there's a discipline? There's a discipline? Oh, you mean there's, a, there's, some, there's something we have to do here? The, the short answer to that is yes. This is not about earning anything from God because you can't earn anything when it comes from God. He's given you salvation free. It's a free gift. The, great, the, the gift of grace has brought us into a relationship with Jesus but for the most part, these practices, the practices we're going to be talking about over the next number of months, are not done, they're done mostly individually. It's like, what are you doing to cultivate life in Jesus yourself? So one of the big challenges, challenges for me over the last couple of years, I mean, I haven't been able to see too many people. I mean, even we haven't had a period of time where we couldn't even meet together. And some still, for reasons that are good reasons, still aren't joining us live. What are we doing individually to foster and to develop good, solid disciplines in our life so that when the wave of God does come, we're rooted and established in Jesus because we have, we have done the heavy lifting in the in-between. And so these are things like establishing with intentionality a time of daily prayer with Jesus. Just you, nobody else. Times of silence and meditation. Just you, just with Jesus. And we're all wired differently, I realize that. And I know that for some, when you talk about sitting in silence and meditating before the Lord, that might be like, I can do about 10 minutes of that. But for others, like, I can do that for an hour. Everybody is differently wired, but whatever works for you. I love going for walks. And when I go for a walk, I'll go for a walk for an hour, and I'm just meditating on Jesus. I'm not saying anything. I don't have my list. I'm just wanting to hear from Jesus his words of affirmation, and sometimes I actually hear them. But what it is, I'm doing the practice of separating myself from the rush and the hurry that's all around me in the culture. So my habits, my practices, my practices, my disciplines are effectual. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen, it doesn't happen in an instant. It's something that takes time. It's about training. It's not about trying hard. It's about training over time. So I'm gonna, I picked on Mark in the first meeting. I won't pick on him this time. So I'm going to pick on Santiago this time. So Santiago, if I said to you, are you capable of running a full 26.2-mile marathon? Are you? Uh, he's very quick with the no. 
But what if I were to say, I think you are capable of running a marathon? Right now, if San Diego, and again, probably most of us, if I said, go out and run a marathon, and you tried to do it, probably by mile 12 or mile 13, we'd be calling 911. Maybe earlier? Yeah. And why is that? There hasn't been any training. But I can say this safely, that with a proper training procedure and time, Santiago could run a marathon. He's capable of doing it. I'm not suggesting you do. But you're capable, we're capable of much more than we think if we take the time to establish discipline and training in Jesus. And believe me, having had experience running marathons, it's sometimes lonely, it's sometimes boring, but there are plateau moments that you have where you know that you've made an increase or a gain. And the same is true when we develop our disciplines in Jesus. Most of the time when I'm with Jesus, I just know that he's with me, but I'm not, I'm not having a glorious moment in worship. Well, I'm worshiping, but I'm not sensing or feeling his presence. I just know I'm with him, and I know that he's with me. And I establish that over the long haul. And so it's practice over time. And to be clear, the practice isn't the point. So don't get distracted by that. It's, a, it's the means to an end. The end is our being rooted in Jesus and becoming like him. That's the point. So just as the habits of our life unintentionally do something to us, these practices change us, and they do something to you. They do something to me. It just does. It happens. The difference is that these practices change us into the image of Christ. Now, amongst us, we have an eminent theologian, Jerusha Borden. And Jerusha shared this with the Life Group last week, and I thought this was spot on. So I'm going to read it if you'll indulge me. And I thank Jerusha for giving me permission to read it. I'm going to read a section of it, what she wrote, because we were talking about this in our Life Group. She says, quote, Our spiritual disciplines are just so integ integral to our way of living. Many of us know that we should read our Bibles and pray. Others, others of us diligently study and pray every day, confident that God is pleased with us because of our devotion. Others still lack any regular discipline of Bible study and prayer, believing them to be unnecessary because of the grace that God so freely lavishes on us. All three of these approaches fail to see spiritual disciplines or practices in light of the gospel. The first two lean towards legalism, which is a belief that somehow we can earn God's favor, a belief that either produces guilt or inevitably falls short um, or gives us an unwarranted pride in thinking we're good enough to live up to his standards. The third leans towards apathy because it stems from the idea that Christ has paid it all. I don't have to do anything. The gospel... I love what she says. The gospel frees us from approaching spiritual disciplines with legalism or apathy. We have favor with God because he's, we've been given the righteousness of Christ, not because we earned it. Like, bravo, Jerusha. All of this 
is done in community. We live in community. Here we are in community here today. But it's not just about a meeting. It's about our interactions with one another in the body of Christ. And as I said earlier, our relationships in the world, we tend to gravitate towards people who are going to tell us how good we are. And we mirror those relationships. In the church, it's a lot different, isn't it? Warts and all. Iron sharpening iron. Our relationships are challenging sometimes. But I need that. I need you to tell me where I'm falling short. And you need me to tell you when you're falling short. And we need each other to encourage one another in all of that. When Paul talks about the body and all the parts of the body fitting together, that the hand can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. We are in community together. One, one objective that we have as community is being formed in the image of Christ. See, all these things fit together. We all have different abilities, talents, and idiosyncrasies, don't we? But yet, we are together. Who would have thunk it? I mean, would we all gather together if it wasn't for Jesus? He's the center of who we are because we all have different interests and stuff. So we change in community. We change and are transformed within the context of community. It brings out the best in us and the worst in us. But there's grace and there's the power of the Spirit to work through our issues together, as it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, with love as the foundation of it all. And all of this is steeped and permeated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says that we enter into relationship with Jesus and follow him, we're filled with his spirit. We become containers of his presence. The very temple of the Holy Spirit, we are. I am and we are. So both there's an individual component to that and there's a communal component to that. He is the influencer and shaper of our formation. He's the baseline for transformation. If you read Galatians 5, which we don't have time to do this morning. All this happens over a lifetime. It doesn't just happen in a vacuum. It happens over the course of our life. So it's not a program. It's not rushed. There's no quick fix, silver bullet to character development and formation in Jesus. We follow Jesus in his way, and it's so contrary to the culture. There's no mick character. There's no mick integrity. There's no mick discipleship. It's taking time. That's countercultural. That's truly what it means to be countercultural, setting our roots in Jesus. And not only does this process consume a life, but it's also worked out in the difficulties of life, in the reality of life. Jesus says, You're going to suffer. He suffered. We suffer. Some of you are going through things right now that have nothing to do with COVID, and they're difficult things. But when we establish ourselves in these types of things with intentionality following Jesus, he gives us the strength to embrace our obstacles and to live through them and understand that he gives life even in the midst of it. I'm going through personal things right now that are very difficult. And it doesn't mean that they're easy. They're very difficult. But I know he is with me and he strengthens me in it. And in my tears sometimes, I know that he is with me and he's faithful. And so these are opportunities to gr for growth, and we learn to walk with him through it. We're all faced with these things all the time. In the world, there's no solution for that. And we become witnesses to the world when they see how we suffer. When we see how, when they see how we suffer. 
I think it was Don Smith that said, you know, someone was talking to him about, you know, how do you know that Jesus exists or how do you know the gospel's true? And Don Smith would reply, he says, just, just watch how my people die. Watch how my people die. How, watch, how, watch how my people go through those portals into eternity. Watch how my community takes care of those people as they go through those things, those sufferings. And that's what I have this morning. So what's our homework? So here's the homework for Life Group. Here's the thing that I would like for you to take a look at. If you can identify, are there any things that you can identify that are unintentional with respect to your formation? Can you identify intentional things in your formation? Talk about those things. And there's no judgment. There's no judgment whatsoever. So that's the homework for this week. What things can you identify that are unintentional? Things that you say, oh, I, this puts, something here has put its finger on my life, this aspect of my life. And the good news is, over the next number of months, we're going to be going through and walking through intentional spirituality, intentional formation in Jesus. We're going to be walking through it specifically, addressing each one of these things over the course of months. So we're not talking about, again, a program. We're talking about a lifestyle of following Jesus. Are you with me? Let's stand. We're going to get ready. Mark's going to come.